This is episode four, Guiding Clients Through Deep Emotions with Shannon Brooks. Grow a Thriving Practice, a podcast made for biofield tuning practitioners, offering the resources to enhance your practice, grow your business, and continue your journey of self-discovery. I'm your host, Jillian Faldmo. In this episode, I'm talking with Shannon Brooks, who is a certified biofield tuning practitioner and instructor, and also has 15 years of experience in psychotherapy. And the reason why I wanted to have Shannon on the podcast today was because there was a recent question that had come up in the biofield tuning students slash practitioners Facebook group. Um, that she answered just beautifully. And so before we get into the conversation, just to provide you all with some background, here is that post and her response. So the, the person who posted said, Hi, fellow tuners. I hosted a group biofield tuning session yesterday, and I would just like a little bit of support with the testimonial I received after the session. Me and my friend expected the session to look somewhat different. This is in quotation marks from the person who received the session. They were expecting like relaxation with sounds. She says, this was more like a guided meditation. And personally, I feel like touching up on such strong emotions like shame or guilt should be done one, one one-on-one, and two, by a licensed therapist. I felt quite comfortable. I I felt quite uncomfortable, to be honest, and I feel like going so deep into such emotions requires proper guidance, best by a psychologist. All right. And there were so many great responses to this, but uh, Shannon, um, I, I looked at hers and I was just like, yes, this. So Shannon said, it's possible that you could tweak how you describe what a group tuning will be so that it includes a mention about deep emotions and what to expect. But this participant's comment brings up an important issue for me, and that is the idea that experiencing emotions is somehow dangerous. We as humans are built to have emotions. It's part of how we are wired. The participant's comments may be more reflective of her own fear of her emotions than anything that you have done or not done. In my opinion, the Western medical model seems to rely on the need for a specialist for every ill and has undermined people's faith in their own ability to know themselves and to navigate their own feeling world, thoughts, beliefs, etc. We as practitioners can learn to navigate deep emotional waters for ourselves and our clients, and we do not need an advanced degree or a license to do that. So now for the conversation. Enjoy. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Good. <clears throat> Good. This is my first time interviewing anybody oh. on the podcast. Um, the, the first episode was a group conversation, and um, that just flowed really naturally. So, um, But today we have you, Shannon Brooks, on talking about the difference and similarities between biofield tuning and therapy. And the reason why I wanted to bring you on was because there was a post um, recently on Facebook and your answer to it was just brilliant and beautiful. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your, more about you. 
Okay. Um, well, let's see. Um, I I was a psychotherapist for 15 years, so I I had a got a master's degree and um, and was a practicing counselor and psychotherapist uh, in Texas for for 15 years, and so you know I bring all of that experience uh, and knowledge to my work um, with biofield tuning. And, um, you know, my work now is, is really primarily biofield tuning. So I, you know, see clients in my, my practice in Austin, Texas, and also do lots of distance sessions. And I'm also a um, certified biofield tuning instructor. Yes, awesome. Yes, you are. How did you find biofield tuning? What, what led you from therapy to biofield tuning? Well, that is a great question. Um, to be honest, you know, I, <clears throat> I went through a very difficult time in, in my life, just a lot of layered sort of difficulties. So there was, there was physical illness, there was, you know, a traumatic divorce, my father was dying, my mother's health was declining as she was taking care of him at home. And it was just lot of transition, a lot of layers of things all kind of stacked up at once. I think Eileen often calls that a shit storm. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> yeah, so I was in a shit storm. And, uh, and you know, I mean, I, I, um, I, I've had lots of therapy, talk therapy myself, you know, I spent years and years as a, as a client. Um, so of course, I was utilizing talk therapy during this time, and it wasn't really helping me. Uh, and so actually my doctor at the time, a functional medicine doctor I was seeing, she said, you know, you should go see this lady named Mary. She does this kind of woo woo thing, but people really like it. And, and I think it will help you. And so I did, I went to see Mary um, Schneider is her name. And she does this energy work that's called resonance repatterning, which is a beautiful, you know, profound, very intricate, you know, energy medicine modality. So I'd never, ever experienced anything like that, never been open to it. You know, it was a very traditional, pretty traditional uh, thinker as far as, um, as far as that kind of help goes, but I was desperate. So I went, she did this crazy two hour session on me where she was ringing bells and having me look through colored glasses and muscle testing me and it was a barrage of things. Anyway, I walked out of there feeling like somebody had taken this heavy backpack off of my back. Hmm. And then within a couple of weeks, I, I realized like, oh, something has really changed for me. Uh, and that's when I got very, very curious about other ways of working with what's going on with us, right? Um, so I studied resonance repatterning for probably three or four years. I went to lots of trainings and, um, ultimately I wasn't able to, to make that my work. I couldn't bring it to clients. You know, it was like, this is a beautiful way of working, but it just wasn't for me. It was mm -hmm. it's lots of multitasking. It's very intricate work. Uh, that's how I experienced it anyway. And, um, but it primed me for being open to, biofield tuning right so somebody yeah. on facebook said oh i read this really great book it's called tuning the human biofield and i thought oh that sounds interesting so i looked it up and i was like oh this is tuning forks and i had been exposed to tuning forks you know via this other work so mm -hmm. i got out of this book and 
uh, long story short, I, you know, I read it, I couldn't put it down. So I read, just read through. And I just thought, holy moly. And I've, you know, I've had lots of people have the same experience and I'm, you know, clients will come to me and they'll, they'll, they will have read Eileen's book or seen a video or something and it just grabs them. It just grabs them. And they're like, I have to have this. Mm. So I read the book and literally put it down, went to the website, found a practitioner, which was um, Angela and got some distant sessions from Angela and it started just having profound shifting. And it, and so that's how I got into it was something for me, something to help myself. But I very quickly saw, oh, this is what I've been looking for because I felt with, um, with, with talk therapy, I, I had, you know, been feeling for a few years that it was limited. It was somewhat limited, um, that there was a lot that we could do, uh, but that it seemed like there was a lot of sort of talking around the thing itself right? And on some, some days would go better than others. Like some days we'd get lucky and it would feel like we would really hit something and the, the client could actually make a, a, a sh like a deep sort of shift. With the talk therapy? The talk therapy, mm -hmm. yeah. But um, for me, I realized, oh, biofield tuning, you can just use sound and go to the actual thing itself. You're just, you're making contact with the thing itself. So that just makes sense to me. It's much more efficient uh, in my, in my view, it's a much more efficient way of working. So yes, I just very quickly, um, decided that I was going to start, you know, going to Vermont and, um, and taking classes and, and getting, uh, getting, uh, certified. Great. And, and you, so you're really just doing biofield tuning now right you've transitioned from therapy to biofield tuning are you incorporating some of the things you learned with well just that all that experience yes exactly so yeah i mean there's no no way not to bring your own experience whatever that is you know into this work um but yes so having the background does really help me qu quite a bit i think with um with the work um I was thinking about this a little bit this morning about what aspects and just one aspect, I mean, is just, you know, I'm very comfortable with people's emotions. You know, I've been around emotion and, and I, I'm, I'm very comfortable sitting with people, you know, while they're having their feelings. Um, you know, I mean, I guess the, the other things, you know, just the, what else is similar about it? you know questions that you might ask somebody to get them thinking in a new way or to get them thinking a little deeper about you know kind of what we're working with um but to be honest one of the things i love about biofield tuning is that we don't have to do a lot of talking hmm. and 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 this is something that i think is is a is really important to to for us to think about is this whole um Finding this balance, you know, we're always kind of trying to, this is the sort of the artfulness of biofield tuning, finding that balance between the, the talking and the not talking, right? So what is the, what is the story and when do we want to hear and work with that story and when do we want to try to gently move away from that and how do you know? So 
I feel like my background helps me navigate that pretty well. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably like you can you can do that naturally because of all that experience that you've had. Yeah, I I, I hope so. I yeah, so. you know, I find the same thing with coaching. Um, I offer um, coaching for as a service and biofield tuning, sometimes I integrate the two by, you know, talking and, and bring talking about what's coming up in the field and okay, how can we shift perspective? But sometimes there's times where we just really want the body to listen to itself and, and to not need to say anything and, and have our client experience what's going on in their body. What's even going on in their own mind, just from a place of witnessing and, observing. So you're right. There is a, there's a balance there. Um, for sure. And and with biofield tuning, I mean, we have, we have access to everything in the sense that we have access to talking, we have access to our logical, our clients, you know, logical minds and our own, you know, but we have, we have access to all the other stuff. We have access to the body. We have access to the field. We have access to, you know, stored, um, emotions, thoughts, beliefs, all that information that's held in the field, we have access to all of that. And so to, to me, I, I've, I've come to feel like talk therapy is somewhat limited in that we don't, in talk therapy, we, we don't have access to that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. we, and it's not that it's not beneficial, it's, it's, it has a role, it absolutely is and does. Um, but biofield tuning can include the, that access and then all of the rest of it. Yeah. Um, all and encompassing. I find, yes. And I find, especially for very, very early stuff, right? So this has always been kind of the, the problem, you know, in talk therapy is what about these issues that are so early, you know, with people when they're so young that there's no memory of it. There's no language to describe, you know, what it was. Um, with biofield tuning, we just go right to it. So we don't have to spend 20 years in psychotherapy, um, you know, trying to get at this nebulous thing that doesn't have words. And, um, and you know, the, the field of psychotherapy, more and more people are, in, are uh, pra- you know, practitioners are working in different somatic modalities right through the talk therapy because this is not just you know my you know vision that that the body gets left out right it's this is in the whole field that people realize like yeah there's a if we can pull in a body component to this work um then we can just be that much more effective so there's the somatic experiencing and there's hikomi is another you know body oriented talk therapy so um, and, and I think those, those things are, are great. Um, but of course I'm kind of biased. I like the work. I like the work that I do. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it just feels very, very direct, but yeah. So for this early, early stuff, I, I just think you can't beat biofield tuning. Yeah. And so are there clients that you, that you have that you, um, would recommend both. Like maybe they have, maybe they do biofield tuning with you and talk therapy with you or another practitioner. Do you, and like what kinds of clients or what are they experiencing that would um, have, you know, that 
talk therapy would be good in conjunction with biofield mm-hmm. tuning. Mm-hmm. I, I would say um, people who have had a recent trauma, I think talk therapy is very, very good for debriefing the trauma, mm-hmm. talking about what happened, um, talking about the aftermath, talking through what needs to happen next, you know, if there are like concrete steps a person needs to take to try to, you know, rectify, you know, what has happened, um, that it can be very helpful there. Um, some people just need to talk. Uh, I, I certainly did. I went to therapy for years. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of talking, and I needed it. I needed mm-hmm. to talk, and I needed a, I needed a. a a long-term consistent relationship, you know, with the same therapist. That was very helpful to me. Um, Definitely there can be people who have, who are struggling with sort of multiple things, right? So maybe they have uh, an addiction issue that they're struggling with and they, they have experienced a lot of emotional dysregulation and their life is kind of chaotic you know, and there's childhood trauma, you know, um, sometimes people have a lot of layers of things and, and they, they, they need to kind of come at things from various, you know, standpoints. Biofield tuning is great, but it might not be enough of a kind of a holding container for them. Right. 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 That, that actually makes me think of another, um, question that was on the Facebook group was there was a practitioner, um, who uh, a psychiatrist called her or a psychiatrist referred a client to her um, to work with someone who was diagnosed with schizophrenia and, and there were some triggers with him and she was um, soliciting a group on, you know, what, what do I do with this? So just curious to hear your thoughts about that and what you would suggest or recommend. Yeah. That's a great question. So um, while I think it's kind of encouraging, I guess, that a psychiatrist would recommend biofield tuning like that, you know, it sort of feels like, oh, look, we're getting recognized as being something, you know, that's actually real and helpful. Um, It's also a little troubling to me that the psychiatrist would do that. Now, I don't know anything about the 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 person what they call the patient i don't know anything about the patient their history how stable they are what they're i don't know so so i don't i would want to know a lot more about that and why the psychiatrist thought this would be a good idea so is the psychiatrist feeling like yes this person has some kind of disturbance but they're relatively stable mm-hmm. And so biofield tuning or Reiki or something like that could be helpful to them. So first and foremost, if some, if a psychiatrist referred someone to me who had a diagnosis of schizophrenia, I'm going to want to get that um, person to sign a release so that I can call the psychiatrist because I need to know a lot more about that person. And the main thing I want to know about is how stable are they? Um, have they had suicide attempts? Um, do they mm-hmm. have a support system? Are they living with their parents? Are they living alone? Are, do they have a partner? Is this the first event 
right? Is this the first sort of psychotic event that they've had or do they have a long history of it? Yeah. Are there substance abuse issues? I mean, lots of stuff. There's a lot. Yeah. A lot lot that you'll want to know. But it all kind of centers to me around the the issue of stability. Mm -hmm. So we all know that biofield tuning can be destabilizing if briefly, right? So, right, because of the detox potential there, yeah, and because of the um, because of the processing, because of mm. the integration. So here's an example. I um, one of the early sessions I had with Angela, who is amazing. I hope she's listening. <laughs> I love you, Angela. <laughs> gosh, it changed my life. Um, thank you, Ange. But I think we were probably working on the right side of the sacral. And because after the session, maybe later that day, I'm not sure when it started, but maybe later that day, maybe the next day, I literally felt like I sort of mentally revisited every single thing that I had ever felt ashamed of in my life. It was horrible. Like it was like, oh, that, oh, that thing. Oh, that thing. It was, it was horrible. It was like, I, the way I like to describe it, it was just, it was like a horrible, like circus parade of just all those things just kind of passing through my awareness. And, but I knew enough at that point, you know, um, either from whatever Angela had said or, you know, what other things I'd picked up from energy work. I was like, don't attach to it. Just observe, just be curious and just know that this is, it's coming up and out, mm-hmm. passing through. Right. And I will tell you that it lasted about 36 hours. It really wasn't very fun, but it's like a long labor. It was like a long <laughs> Yes. And, and then, and then the waveforms, you know, it's not, wasn't just memories. Each memory had a waveform. Mm-hmm. So the waveform of shame, the waveform of guilt. Mm. Ugh, ugh, it was horrible. <laughs> but I desperately needed that. I didn't know how much shame I was carrying around. I mean, I kind of did. It's just like, you don't know what's in your closet really until you get in there. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I was like, oh crap, there's a lot of shame in here. Yeah. And that can be really destabilizing for someone who doesn't know how to process emotion or they're, you know, something's dysregulated um, there. Very dysregulating. So whenever I work on the right side of the sacral with anybody, I always tell them that story and I let them know you may not feel any of that or experience any of that, but if you do just know that this is, it, it will end. Don't attach to it. Just observe and just know that this is exiting your system. So that one session is probably the most profound session I've ever had because I was truly different when that was over. Like I knew I was, I was like, I'll never have to feel that again. Mm-hmm. I can go back to those memories and I don't feel great about them, but I don't, I'm not just awash in shame. Right. Right. It, that was a profound change. And that was in one session right? One session. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that because shame is probably the most difficult emotion to 
to process and feel. I mean, there's a lot of them that are difficult to process. Um, But shame is one I think where um, biofield tuning practitioners may have the most discomfort with helping their clients to process it because it's something that, you know, maybe the, maybe the practitioner hasn't processed their own um, shame in some regard. So I'm curious what kind of um, advice or just any tips for practitioners you have on um, helping them move their clients through shame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think just, you know, reminding them that like all the other emotions, it's really just a waveform. It's just a very uncomfortable waveform. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this is where we get to bring in our, our compassion, you know, uh, and also I think we can talk with people about having compassion for themselves. I mean, I think that's, for me, that's sort of the antidote to shame is self-compassion, right? Yeah. So you just look back and you go, well, I did, you know, I, I didn't know what I know now, right? I was, you know, I was driven in this way or that way or struggling with this or that. And, you know, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a great question. I mean, shame gets pushed down and buried because it's so uncomfortable for people to feel. Mm-hmm. So um, I think seeing it as a waveform and allowing it to come, th- allowing it to exit, you know, once and for all, because the more we shove it down, I mean, we're still making contact with it. We're still like, Ooh, here comes shame. Oh, push it down. Oh, here comes shame. Push it down. You know, um, I, I think, it, I think it sort of needs the anesthesia of the, the light of day, so to speak. Right. Um, Brene Brown is a great resource for this because she's yes. actually a shame researcher and um, reading one of her books, I forget which one it was, but she talked about knowing what your shame response is. Um, what does shame feel like in your body when it starts to come up? And that for me was huge for processing it. So I think if we can get our clients to, you know, when, when we were noticing shame in the field, ask them what's going on in their body. What are you noticing when we're, when we're in this emotion and have them really lean into it because I think when we start to lean into that feeling a little bit more, it's not so scary. It feels like crap, but (laughs) it is just what you're saying. It's a waveform and it's a vibration and, you know, let's lean into it, let it express and then watch how it naturally just dissolves. And sometimes it might take 36 hours. (laughs) Right. Yeah. If you have a lot of things that you feel shame about, yeah, it can just take a while to work through that whole library. Yeah. And, you know, the shame, you know, carrying around shame definitely, you know, kind of touches our, our, our own sense of worthiness. So, I mean, that's what comes with shame really is feeling unworthy. You know, I did a terrible thing. And so now that means I'm unworthy of Mm -hmm. love, respect, money, you know, whatever. Um, So really connecting it to that, you know, to that worthiness and I, I I agree with Eileen I think at the bottom of so much of what we're working with is this idea of it's just this feeling of not quite being worthy 
Mm -hmm. and shame the shame piece really touches into that i think yeah yeah so at what point and and this might not be easy to answer but at what point would you um offer the client the different different thoughts to think or something else like if they're believing like truly at their core that they're unworthy or they're not they're not good enough at what point do you help them sort of flip the spin or, um, you know, offer them a different perspective or something, something new to believe? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's a great question. Um, I mean, the kind of the easy answer for me would be right away. <laughs> as soon as I realize that they're holding on to a belief that they're unworthy and it's, and it's and because they're, because they have, because they have shame, because they've done, they perceive that they've done something shameful. Um, yeah, right. In in a sense, right away, um, I would offer. Uh, I mean, it depends. Let me see if I can think of it like a scenario. So let's say I'm working in the right side of the sacral, and let's say I'm at 17 years old, and and it just sounds, you know. Ugh. And I said, well, I'm at around 17 years old. And then the client says, oh yeah, that's when I did X, Y, and Z, you know, and I feel really bad about it. I feel really ashamed. You know, you might explore it a little bit in the sense of like, well, you know, what beliefs did you form at that time? Mm. Are there some beliefs that you think you might've formed about yourself at that time when you were going through that? Yes, I, I think that's when I formed this belief that I don't deserve love, you know, because I, you know, broke the law or whatever, you know, and then just kind of ask, so do you, do you, is that true? You know, bringing in that, um, oh, what's her name? Byron Katie, do you know Byron Katie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I love her. I love her work about, you know, is that true? How do you know? And I think a lot of people can look at it and say, well, I know it's not true here. Like logically, that's not true because I, I can think of many other people who have made mistakes and I don't feel like they don't deserve love, you know? So why do I hold myself to that? Why do mm -hmm. I, say, I, I'm so much more shameful than them. I don't, you know, so just beginning to question the belief. So you can't, there's no re reason to like try to rip that belief out of somebody's hands. You know, that doesn't work and go here. I'm taking that bad belief and here, take this good one. You know, right. you're all done. That's yeah, I think that's really important because, you know, if, if someone's really, really believing that they're not worthy or whatever it might be, and you as a practitioner are going, well, yes, you are. Yes, you are. They're not going to believe you. <laughs> you know, you just have words coming out of your mouth. So by asking them those questions, they're able to really be a little bit more curious with themselves and with and inquisitive with themselves and come up with something different. And that's more, I think um, that creates more of a shift than being told what to believe, like Correct. having them come up with it on their own. Right. Asking about what belief was formed and then, and then asking, is that, is that true? And mm -hmm. they may say, well, it feels true. Well, then you might say, well, can, is it possible to entertain the idea that maybe it's not true? Mm -hmm. Yeah, or they asking them. Say, well, 
I'll try. Okay. So yeah. just try, just stay curious about the possibility that that's actually not true. Just stay curious about it. But here's the power of biofield tuning. Then we are making a tonal adjustment in the field, right? That's going to facilitate them to be able to open that up and believe it's not true. So this is the part that's so important because this kind of good work about questioning shame and your beliefs and is that true, all of that happens in psychotherapy and it's very helpful. Mm -hmm. We have the added ingredient that's very powerful. Mm -hmm. We are making contact using sound we're making contact with that stored frequency that's laden with information and, and emotion and beliefs. And that's what keeps it there. That's what keeps it chugging along. We are making an adjustment in the thing itself so that the person can have a new experience, right? Just saying it doesn't produce a new experience. Not right. typically. Um, so this is like over here, it's just like we just hammer away, hammer away, hammer away. And over here, we're like, oh, <laughs> boop, boop, right? <laughs> that's, how, that's how I see it. And, I, you know, Eileen has talked about this too, about the, the frustration of this whole idea of like, oh, you can just think your way to happiness, think your way to prosperity, positive thinking, visualize, you know, your you know, all that stuff, the secret, you know, all of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's all great, but it's this stuff in the field that keeps us in our patterns. Mm -hmm. So you can work on this all day long. But if you've got this, you know, I, I like to call them radios. It's like we go through life and we have these experiences and it's almost like a radio gets installed there and it broadcasts the program of that time. And the program of that time for this client that we were imagining 17 years old, what programs are being broadcast? Um, you're terrible, you're, you're a shameful person, you know, you're this, you're that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So those radios are out there playing their programs. So this woman who's now 45 can all day long, she can think I'm worthy, I'm worthy, I'm worthy. But there's still these radios that are like blasting this program. So we just go in and turn them off. Absolutely. Right? And yes. we might have to turn them off three or four times. Right. Yeah, it's well, not a one and done thing. Times. But that's nothing compared to, you know, six years of twice weekly psychotherapy. Right. That's right. Yeah. I like, I have this, um, when I'm talking to clients about what biofield tuning can do as far as changing your, your frame of mind, um, is it's like we're, you know, we've got these neural pathways, right? And it's like the tuning fork is like picking up the energy from one neural pathway and putting it into a different neural pathway. So we can think our way to, you know, to success to some degree. And, but if we're not, like you said, like if that emotional charge is still there, it's going to take a heck of a lot longer. And if we, we, pick up the charge and put it, put it back, <laughs> right yeah. back on track, back into, into flow where we can, um, you know, be, where we can 
serve ourselves, where the, these thoughts better serve us and um, right. they're for our highest good and optimization as a human. Yeah, it's just it's just facilitation. It's a it's a hack. Yeah, it's a hack. It really is. Um, because this is what people have been wanting for, you know, or I'll say in Western culture, you know, Western, a Western um, way of thinking. This is what we've been wanting for a hundred years, you know, is, is how can people really change? So, you know, I think I was thinking recently about, um, you know, about Freud and about how, and psychoanalysis, okay. And, and which is the kind of the, the, you know, today's psychotherapy or counseling, whatever, you know, it has roots in that. Its roots are in that. And back then, you know, they had people come in, you know, maybe three or four times a week, you would come and, you know, talk. And it was revolutionary. And why? Well, because this is, you know, we're talking about almost like the Victorian sort of era where even to speak of something mm -hmm. was revolutionary, right? Right. These are all, I mean, this, just the idea of actually speaking it. Okay. So that's, that's wonderful. And we had that and that has gotten us here where now people now know, oh, I can speak about all of these things, right? I can speak about, you know, child abuse and I can speak about addiction. I can speak, I can speak my secret um, private thoughts, you know, in fact, now there's a, a lot of people are speaking all the time, <laughs> maybe speaking more than we want to hear um, about, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? about all the things, right? Okay. So we got that. So we, this is the next evolution, right? Now we want to, now we, we don't, plus we don't have time to go to analysis four times a week. We don't have time. Mm -hmm. This is not how our, our lives work now. And I think on a on a bigger scale as well, we have so many, you know, problems and issues in our world. We do not have time to sit and ponder for 20 years, mm -hmm. like get it right. Right. So this is just the, this is just the next evolution. And in my opinion of how people can change, really change is real change possible. And, and obviously it is. Um, and that was my, that was sort of my obsession really when I, when I was going out and, you know, I went on this sort of sabbatical and was like trying all these different energy modalities and taking classes and doing trainings and, and just exploring, right? Because I just became obsessed with this idea, you know, how can somebody go to psychotherapy for 20 years and still be making the same mistakes, mm -hmm. still be making the same choices, still be picking the same troubling people to date let's say <laughs> <laughs> and things like you know like where's the change we got to do better than this and i want better for my clients i want more for them than just well you're very wounded so we're going to help you put some kind of life together i like i want more than that for people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. does it never seem fair to me that somebody could go through something in life you know, that was really traumatic and devastating and very, you know, wounding and seriously wrong and bad. And then like, well, that's just how you are now, you know, mm -hmm. right. You know, just maybe you can have a life somehow, you know, like, I don't think that's fair. Like I want 
I want full recovery for everybody and anybody who wants it 100%. Like I want to set that bar super high, you know, and, and people can make their own choices about what they want to do. But I, I want tools. I want real tools. Yeah. So what are some of the changes that you've seen in your clients uh, with biofield tuning? Can you think of anybody who just is like a standout, like transformation? Yes. Yeah, sure. Several. Um, I have one client who came and initially she came because she has herpes and she was wondering if biofield tuning might get rid of herpes. Mm -hmm. And I, of course I said, well, I don't know. And I explained to her kind of how it works that we're going to use a pendulum. We're going to work where the pendulum says to work. Um, and so we did, and I've seen her pretty many times. I don't know how many sessions she's, she's probably had about 25 sessions, maybe more, maybe 30, maybe. Um, but anyway, we've worked in the sacral a lot and she has, you know, she had a significant amount of shame. Mm. Um, we've worked in a lot of different areas. So I just followed the pendulum. Well, you know, after about when she kept coming back because she liked it, it was making her feel better and you know, all the things that people report. But then after about six sessions, I, I asked her, I was like, I remembered, I was like, oh yeah, you came in with um, wanting help with herpes. And she said, yeah. I said, well, have you had any outbreaks? She said, no, I haven't. And that was like two and a half years ago and she still doesn't have outbreaks. So yeah. I don't know. But that was so that was what she wanted help with. But what else has happened? Well, she finally broke up with the boyfriend that she's been on and off, on and off, on and off, on and off for years with this person who's a mm -hmm. perfectly fine person, but they're they're stuck. You know, they're just stuck in this on and off pattern. So she finally uh, broke was able to break that off successfully and and navigate the feelings and survive it, right? Um, she has a new boyfriend she likes much better because she says he's more emotionally available and they have much better communication. And that's what she needed. Mm. You know, she needed somebody she could really, that could really kind of go there with her and, and share in that way. Um, and she put in notice at her job that she's had for, I don't know, five or six years that she's not been happy at, but didn't quite have the, I don't know wherewithal to make that leap and really leave you know mm -hmm. uh, she went to massage school i mean just made a lot of changes wow she's a lot happier a lot happier and when she feels when she's feels like things are difficult she'll call me and she'll come in and get a few sessions and then she's kind of back on the road so um she's a she's a real success um story in that sense i think that's awesome. And it just goes to show too, like you said, she's come for 25 to 30 sessions. I, again, it's not, I, I think, I wonder how people are, are framing um, the work with their clients. There's been some chat about that on the Facebook page too. And actually the previous episode is about how to frame biofield tuning, especially when there, someone comes in with a client uh, or with an issue. And yeah. so Yes, sometimes it can take 25 to 30 to resolve an issue. Maybe her issue was resolved prior to that, but there's all these other benefits that, you know, continuing with maintenance sessions 
can do so much as far as, you know, what you want to achieve in your life and which direction you want to go in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think she would probably say she felt a lot of benefit after the first three sessions, she felt, you know, a lot more after she had had six and then she just kept going because she was like, well, what else is going to happen? Yeah. (laughs) And I think sometimes we don't know like how much, I know this has been true for me, how much better we can feel, how much better we can be doing in our lives. We don't know. All we know is this is how I feel now. And, and I have an expectation that maybe I can come to this place. Okay. Mm -hmm. So get a few sessions and you're like, Oh, I'm actually, I'm over here now. Wow. Okay. We don't know what is the potential for, for growth and happiness and peacefulness and health. Like we don't, we don't, we don't even know. Right. Most of us keep ourselves kind of in that like comfort zone familiar. Yeah. 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 But I, I like to say, you know, given where I am now, how much better could I feel? Because we're all just starting where we are, right? Yeah. I've had, certainly had people come to me who have done a lot of work on themselves in various modalities. And if they're very open to biofield tuning, they can have kind of sonic, you know, experiences, right? Spiritual experiences and, uh, y- you know, just sort of the sky's the limit, right? And then I also, I have a client recently who um, really is under the impression that all he needs is three sessions and that he's going to make some kind of quantum leap. So I've really tried to um, set his expectations at something that's a little more realistic. Uh Um, And that's a bit of a dance too. You know, I told him, I said, I never assume that anything is going to be hard to shift, right? I've seen some remarkable things. At the same time, you know, this is a very layered process. It took a long time for you to get where you are now. So I think this is an efficient modality that, that can really bring a lot, of, uh, a lot of improvement for people. But it may take more than three sessions for you to achieve, you know, what you want to, what you want to see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great way to, I think, gauge their commitment level to do the change. Cause I think usually when clients are in a rush for something in a hurry, um, you know, it, it's, it's not going to produce good fruit though. You know, maybe the change will happen, but it might not be sustainable. But if they, if they put in the commitment and the time and do the work outside of the sessions itself, that's going to be sustainable. And, um, produce probably even better results than they could have imagined. That's right. A a good session can make you want to clean your closet, but you still have to clean the closet, right? It's not going to clean itself. Right. (laughs) Yes. That's a great example. It's so cool. It's like, oh, I got a biofield tuning session. You go home, your whole house is clean. (laughs) But that's not how that works. Right. But it can give you the energy and the focus and the motivation to get those things done. Mm-hmm. And, that, and then it just builds right from there. Then you feel better. Then you're able to do this, or then you're able to think more clearly. And I mean, that's the other thing I love about biofield tuning. And I think a lot of energy work is like this too, where 
you know, you get a session and you, you know, you have this problem or series of problems and you have no idea what to do and you feel very stuck and you don't see solutions and, you know, all of that. And then you shift, you know, you make this tonal shift in, in our, in our case. Uh, and then like a day later, you're like, oh, well, here's the solution right here. Yes. It was like right in front of me the whole time. Uh-huh. You can see it. So I think that's a very common thing as well. Definitely. People, it just facilitates people solving their own problems. Yes. Yeah. It takes us from that tunnel vision of like only thinking in this way, only seeing these options right here to really broadening our periphery. Like, go, oh my gosh, there's, there's this option. And then there's this, this option. Yes. And just having that just helps us with our own knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just getting clear and like, oh yeah, now I know what to do. It just, and it feels easy. It feels yeah. like, it feels easy to make that choice. The journey may not be easy. The the actions may not be easy, but right. it doesn't, I don't feel muddled anymore. I, I'm like, oh, I got to do this. Yes. Yes. And have the energy to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. This has been so good. Thank you so much, Shannon. Gosh, you're welcome. It was really fun. Yeah. How can, how can people find you? Uh, they can go to my website. It's www.tunemybiofield.com. Awesome. Check Shannon out. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. I think that this is going to be helpful for many practitioners to, to even just hear this conversation and how we're talking about it. And then also coming from that therapy background too, that um, we're not doing anything wrong by working with people and their emotions. Like you said, in that post, we have emotions, we're built to do this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I just think not only are we built to have emotions, but we're built to support each other and, and help each. It's natural. It's just completely natural for people to have feelings. So, and yeah, thank you for, for doing this. I think this is just such a great a uh, resource for, for, for students and practitioners and just a way for us to have those deeper conversations about the work. Yes. Thank really. you. I'm, I'm so excited to have more. Good, good, good. Yeah. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Soon. If you would like to grow a thriving practice, I'm here as your coach. Check out my program at jillianfaldmo.com and schedule your free consultation today.